Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, I have to apologize right off the top here. In the last episode, we said we were going to talk about Jephthah. Um, we're not going to do that today. We're actually going to be going a bit of a different direction. Tonight, today, whenever you're listening to this, we're going to be talking about why the Bible is irrelevant and why Moses got it wrong. And I might just, throw, these... I might just throw in there, it does tie into Jephthah, so he'll fit in later just as a little disclaimer to your apology. It's true. We, we might get there. Um, we'll kind of see, but it, it all does tie in. But now this is not a, a title for clickbait sake. Um, we're we're going to be going down these trains of thought here because I don't know if you guys really realize, but these are beliefs that have been mixed into, I guess, our day-to-day thinking a lot of times without us even knowing it. These doubts about the Bible, its relevance, its impact, its effectiveness, and just things that make us not only question, but almost ignore or disregard or things that are confusing in the Bible that seem to go counterculture. And so we don't really address them too much. And we're not here to try to be really controversial or draw lines in the sand, but we just want to walk through some of these ideas and see what's going on beneath the surface. Because, I mean, we all know the world's really messed up right now, and it's it seems like not a great situation for anyone to be in. But there's a way out. There's a way through. So that's what we're going to be talking about in this episode. Great intro, Jason. Uh, well, what, what an interesting time to navigate. And we were talking earlier, and it's it's come up in just so many different arenas. Of We have our wonderful political landscape we have our world landscape what's going on there Mm. we have our local landscape we have our personal we have our church landscapes and it's interesting the things we're going to talk about today resonate in all of those different dimensions and i really believe the core is kind of the fruit of the bigger one some of the bigger things you see is the fruit of something else i think it's important that we really understand who we are what is true and what is my response to the world around you? And when I say what is true, that is in light of who Jesus is to us, who our Father is, where our identity comes from, and how do we take all of the noise and the pressure around us and be able to stand solid and make a decision? And that's what our whole Mission 300 program was originally designed, and it, it still operates that way. We're not here so much to tell you what to think. In fact, we avoid trying to tell you what to think. What we want to do is give you foundation points that you have the confidence to make decisions that oftentimes will appear hard. In fact, you can't even think. Jason, think of anything that we enjoy today that didn't emerge because someone pressed against what was normal. Can you think of anything? I mean, nothing really comes to mind at the top of my head. I mean... Whether it's electricity, a wash machine, uh, technology, peanut butter, uh, the way we do things, policy changes, laws, all of that became because someone pressed against what was normally existing and began moving forward. And there's always this pressure against it. Just think about the gospel. I mean, Jesus didn't come and say, hey, believe the gospel. And welcome to rosy petal land. No, he said, welcome to the gospel. By the way, they hated me, so they will probably hate you. I will, 
don't worry, seek me, and I know what you have need of. Oh, by the way, there will come persecution against what you are, but it doesn't mean you changed. It's because of who you are and the rock solidness is why all that comes against you. I think we need to know what we are and what's our response to anything that's going against core values of what Jesus has placed in us. So what sparked this whole idea of the irrelevance of the Bible for today's conversation, at least? Where this is coming from is I'm observing something so blatantly in our world today, but it is not new to today. It has been going on for thousands of years, and we'll discuss that uh, as we go through this uh, podcast. But there is one premise that's so um, apparent, and it is something that is uh, so relevant to where we're at today. We cannot disagree on an idea in our current society. In fact, if you have a big enough disagreement that goes against the mass or whatever group thinks they're the most dominant in that area, whether it's the media, whether it's an organization, whatever it is, you don't have a voice. You need to give up your idea and succumb to their idea. You need to concede your thoughts, your concede your values to their values. And this idea isn't new, and it wasn't um, authored in our current last 20 years. The word politically correct is not a new idea. It actually was utilized under Mao Zedong, or Chairman Mao, when he was launching the, the Communist Party. And it was this main idea, and it's under Marxism, and it's, it's a thought that the 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 political leadership determines the moral values of the society. So therefore, they ran the media, they ran the, the wording, they ran the ideas, and if your idea disagreed with theirs, you're wrong. Therefore, you were a threat. And so the reason that, whether it's Christianity or any faith that has a value system that's higher than the state, they were persecuted. And the reason they were persecuted is they needed the state to have the value control, the value system of the populace. So this is running from a political, it's running from an ideological, but it is even running in our, in our, among Christian leaders or supposed Christian leaders that have the biggest voice. And this idea that I'm sitting here looking at scripture, here's what it says, this is what I believe, this is my value system. And I can't question what they say. I have been told to, in many areas, concede my thought. That could be whether it's regarding healing. That could be whether it's regarding uh, a promise in scripture. That could be whether it's regarding um, a concept that God actually loves me. Those ideas have been under attack. Those ideas have been pressured by the mainstream of those that represent Christianity, that you need to surrender those because it causes a conflict with the other people. And I'm not here to say whether you have to agree with me or don't have to agree with me. The whole idea is because I'm free, I can voice and I can share those ideas. So when I'm coming from this idea that the Bible is irrelevant and Moses was wrong, I'm coming from the idea of this is what I am experiencing and those around me experience on a regular basis. So let's just even just look at uh, the United States. 
what is the platform that their foundation of truth is based on? Not what you've been told, but what is the reality? It's based on the Constitution. So therefore, we have judges and we have representatives. And one of the things is to uphold the Constitution. So we actually in America don't look to a leader. We look to the Constitution. We, uh, it's a government of the people, by the people, and for the people. So we elect people to represent us, but it is based on the idea that I have a voice. And you want dissent. You, not dissent where it's like a Civil War type dissent. You want dissent on ideas so that way you could have different perspectives. So back to this idea that the Bible's irrelevant. When I have a value system that rises above what the world around me is saying, and I stand for that, you will feel pressure. And what is the pressure that they're trying to put on us? What is the pressure? Um, I've seen so many healings. I've seen people so much. And even when I share, people are saying, okay, but that's not really in scripture. Okay, I'll sit down and have that conversation with you. But when you want to get an army against me and pressure me to not believe that, I'm not going to back down. The same is true if I have an idea or I have a disagreement on the, the uh, philosophy or an ideal, ideology that I, I want within your voting or the country that you're in, and I cannot express that freely. It doesn't mean I have to be right. It doesn't mean that I'm going to win. It doesn't mean that I, I, I can't stand corrected. But what it does mean is to pressure me not to bring that out or to not vocalize and to find mechanisms that I am not allowed to share my ideas. And that is what we experience on a regular basis. And it's, it's been way before this even our current election. It goes way beyond that. Um, I live in another country. There's certain things I can't do, but I don't have rights here to do that. In my country, I do have a right to do that. But the moment I am pressured against, it is telling me the Bible is irrelevant. At the end of the day in the Bible, can you say, this person told me, this person said to do it, this group told me to do it when you come before God. At the end, can you say that? No, you're held accountable to your decision. We've built a whole platform on changing people's lives of owning responsibility. You're responsible for your actions. And so in that idea, we have made the Bible irrelevant because we've quit thinking. We've quit disagreeing. Do you know if we absolutely succumbed to an idea that the pressure of the loudest voice wins, do you know you don't even need a court system? There is no court system necessary because there's no argument. You can't argue. You can't disagree. You can't have a dispute. The first legal apparatus that Moses put into place for the children of Israel was judges. Why did he put judges there? To discern and to deal with the discrepancies of what's going on in daily community. We always have that. We always will have that in a free society. And so my, my point of all this is there are many people I'm watching starting to wither under the pressure. 
and they're being told, well, this is the Christian thing to do. Christians need to operate and they need to be more compassionate and they need to just surrender and they need to just back down. Do you know that is the most opposite view of Christianity that's ever been written? If you go read Fox's Book of Martyrs, of how many Christians died just for the simple fact, we believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe he came. We believe he rose again. We believe he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. That caused thousands and thousands and thousands of people to die because of those statements. It was them not moving from their faith. Paul says, and, done it, and doing above all to stand, stand. He also goes on, resist. He also goes on, press towards the mark. He also goes on to talk about those and the evil that suppress, in Romans chapter 1, those who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. The moment you suppress truth, it doesn't mean that truth isn't necessarily going to change an outcome. It doesn't mean that truth doesn't play into everything else. But those that suppress the truth in unrighteousness, God was angry at. Now, I'm not saying God is angry at people. He loves people. But there's a spirit, there's an ideology that is so counter to to who Jesus is, to who Christianity is. And it is wrong. And so I'm just making this point that there's so many that feel something is wrong. And I don't care what it is. It's not about a political party. It's not about uh, a certain belief in the Bible. It's not about any of those things per se. But it's about the idea of how I'm going to get you to change. I, if I use intimidation, pressure, uh, coercion, um, I don't hear what you're saying. I don't listen to your, your ideas and I discount and I discount and I discount. That is suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. And God never even did that. God said, come, let us reason together. He wanted to hear, and when they heard the other side, it would cause a change. So again, I am all willing to humbly change, as we're going to talk about later. I have. There were certain ideas within Scripture that I just didn't look at. But I think it's very important that we don't, be pressured to pick and choose. We do need to keep, as the Berean church was commended for, an eager hear to, ear to hear. Okay, I want to hear what you're saying. And then they would go and spend a, the week studying the scripture to validate what was said. That is the precedent of a Christian. But the idea of pre being pressured to conceive is so opposite of Every character in biblical history, modern history, and even the life of Jesus, that he was pressured through lies, deceit, rumors, everything to give up. And he didn't. And so I want this to be an idea that you don't have to bow to the pressure of the masses to do what's right. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, when they were told to bow before Nebuchadnezzar. And I just want you to catch this. It's more of this ideology of bowing to the mass. If, he does, if we do 
you don't bow, you're going to burn. And they said, you are not bowing. And they said to Nebuchadnezzar, our God is able and will deliver us. But even if he would not deliver us, we will not bow. And I think that is the heart of Christianity. It's not rude. It's not offensive. It is not uh, destructive. It is an individual knowing who they are that won't bow. And we'll give some examples as we go through this today. But I just think it's important. We, I have never seen a bombardment of, of friends, media, and everything else telling me to change my view. And do you know what that really tells me based on historical precedent? I must be right about something. Or I would not be feeling that pressure the way it is. So stand and understand when they're bringing all this up, it's making the Bible irrelevant. It's making who you are irrelevant. It's making the values and the principles of godly principles irrelevant. And again, doesn't necessarily mean you're right. But because you're responsible for yourself and you're responsible for the end of your life, don't bow. Be humble, be open, and don't bow. And we did we did a mini series. You can you guys can look back in the archives. We we talked about conformity versus unity, and a lot of the things we talked about there lay out this whole concept. There's there's such a difference between arriving to something in it as a group, as you as an individual in that group that that might have made sense, but arriving to something in a group as an individual. Because that's where your identity is and that's where you have, have found yourself as an individual versus conforming to something um, out of fear or a threat or to find your identity in that group. And, and again, we, we went a lot more in depth in those episodes, so you guys can definitely go check those out. Um, but that's, that's one of the main points of Mission 300. It's not to build a, a, a program for this political ideology or this kind of people or this group or anything like that. It's not so that we can train people to think like we do and to believe the things that we believe. I mean, there's, there's truth and there is a core belief that, that is rooted in Jesus Christ that has to be central. It has to be centered in the word of God and in the Bible and in identity, who he is, who we are. That's that's unshakable. That's unnegotiable. But how you live from that, in some areas, it might look differently. Now, that doesn't mean that you get to make up your own truth on the world. And that's where things get a little bit, that's where things get a little bit fuzzy for some people. And I know in the in the conversations you and I were talking about before we started recording, there's it's it's almost like the lines have gotten blurred so much for people that we don't have a baseline of truth because we've been taught things that maybe aren't what they actually are when we look at them in scripture. Like Moses was a great example. We've been talking for a while about we've had this picture of Moses in the church for a long time, and we've gotten it wrong. Mm. Sure have. We have really distorted that. And I, I think to begin with, and the reason I'm, I, I'm passionate today, which I'm usually kind of passionate, my first allegiance is to the kingdom of God. I don't, I don't live in America. I live in another country that is a completely different religion, religion 
different belief system, somewhat similar but different kind of government structure. And I work with the government to help develop young people. And when I see that happen, I just keep to the core principles. So the core principles never go away. And they're embraced, actually. And there's a way to communicate a truth without putting another person down for being whatever you think about them or insulting them, shaming them, doing that. There's only a few different groups that were masters of this. Joseph Stalin, Chairman Mao, Pol Pot, and authored through the ideas of Engels and Marx. But it actually didn't originate there. You know, in the Bible, we're the first, well, besides Lucifer in the garden, but we see that the most clear when Goliath for 40, it says he came for 40 days and presented himself every day, and he degraded the people. You sons of Saul, you sons of Saul, you sons of Saul. And they began to become defeated because Saul was being cowardly. David comes along, hears it. And he looks around and says, is there not a cause? Are you, why is this, this uncircumcised Philistine standing up to the army of God? He changed the, he didn't see them as the sons of Saul. They're the army of God. They're God's people. He looked beyond protecting Saul's throne. He was protecting God's, God's people. God's, the ones that God chose in, in that context. And so he stood up. For that, who who praised him for that? Right? Did he have a support group for that? Quite the opposite. No, but but the enemy, he saw what the enemy was doing and he wasn't going to back down. Did David risk his life? 100%. Yeah. When he went into that, come on. If it cost me everything, I'm going to stand. He would not listen to the media bombardment of Goliath every day, stripping him and stripping him and stripping him into passivity. And I don't care what the issue is. I don't care what's being told. It could be uh, anything. What we need to culturally accept. What is culturally true. That's why I'm saying the Bible is irrelevant. By the time you get done listening to media and, and and our secular education system, over time, the Bible is irrelevant because you, you, you don't even know what to believe. You don't even know how to stand. It's just old stories. And so we're going to give this example of, uh, we talked about it before on a podcast, but how Moses has been so stripped into, and, and I, here's where I'm guilty. This is where I had to have this huge eye-opening moment. I used to always read, man, here's Moses. He was a little bit overpassionate. He ended up killing someone and how God can use a murderer to deliver a people. Yep. And how wrong I was. And it's because I went to school, Sunday school, I went to Christian school, and I was told processes that brought me to that place. And when I started opening my eyes and reading the stories and actually going through and reading it, I'm like, that isn't anything that he said. In fact, Stephen's declaration is what caused him to be stoned when he declared the truth about what Moses was. So I thought you you had a good intro to that whole idea. Well, you've got to you've got to read that whole section of of Stephen because when you when we were talking about that 
before I, there was there was a switch that flipped in my mind too because i i've done the same exact thing there's uh there's that me most people are probably familiar with moses was a murderer um you know thomas was a doubter david david had an affair and we go through and we list all the flaws and failures of these great heroic people and we forget that in hebrews it lists these people as champions of faith that the world was not worthy of and yet we make memes about their flaws and i i'm sad to say i've done the same thing with moses but seeing seeing his that story and the way stephen describes it in the correct light is the coolest most amazing thing but also it's kind of a depressing thing and and so i think we'll you guys will see what i mean about that a little bit later but go ahead so actually if you'll just go through that but i just want to put this all into context oh, what, sure. what we're getting to um uh up to this point before you start reading so we have some context to this as a believer and part of mission 300 if you remember the 300 were the ones that wouldn't uh were not afraid didn't think about themselves and saw the bigger picture and i think a lot of times we've lost the bigger picture because we've been told what the picture is. We've been told how to live in, a, in, a, in a, an environment. And I'm not gonna just look at what the world, I expect it out in the world. But quite honestly, and there are some amazing, amazing churches that aren't like this. But just culturally within church, we're taught the same thing. And it's not, again, a deliberate action of the pastor or the church. It is because we have not had the confidence to read for ourselves and to look at it and to ask questions. And I don't mean being rebelliously challenging or anything like that, but we need to ask questions. We need to be able to look at this. This is what the Berean church was praised for, is they eagerly listened when someone came in to speak, but then they would go study it out over the week and look at it and mull it over to validate what was being said. We've lost that. We don't even know what to validate. And, and it's not hard to read. I have my son just started reading and I, I said, just enjoy it as your father talking to you. And now he picks up things. I'm like, he's, he'll come and say, you know what? It's not written like that. That's not how the story goes. And how we, t we make stories benefit us. And this is a, it, this is a, this was the Satan's authoring from the very beginning. Now, we're not going to get all this right, but I, I just, I want you to kind of catch this. It's so important in our time of what's going on with Stephen and what he explains about Moses. And I, it just so ties into where we're at today. Okay, so um, it's in Acts 7. I'm, I'm going to start in verse 22, but, but keep in mind that the general picture of Moses in Egypt. He was raised in Egypt by the Pharaoh's daughter. Um, he, he gets angry, kills an Egyptian, and he flees because he's afraid of, you know, he's going to get caught. He's going to get arrested or whatever is going to happen. So he's afraid. So he leaves Egypt because he murdered somebody. So he has to flee and he becomes a fugitive. That's, that's generally what's put out there. But this is Stephen in Acts chapter 7 speaking. It says, by the Spirit of God. So it says, or he says, Moses but, but was educated. Before, can you can you bring us how he got there? What brought him oh. on trial? Oh, yes. Yeah. So this in is, this chapter is, six, I believe it is. This is good. This is the coolest thing. So 
Stephen, it says, full of grace and power. He's performing wonders. He's performing miracles to the people. And then there's some men, I'll just read it in Acts 6, 9. Some men from what was called the synagogue of the freedmen and some from uh, a few different areas and cities rose up and argued with Stephen, but they were unable to cope with the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. So there's these guys in this in this group, in this clique, in this party that are arguing with Stephen and they can't cope with his wisdom and the spirit from which he's speaking. So let me just and pause. So, yeah. They couldn't cope, which means they couldn't respond and rebuttal and hear. So I think that's a great point right there. I want you to just catch this little parallel and see if you see it in your world today. When you go out, when you listen to stuff, see if you see this picture. So you couldn't cope. Okay, go on. So, and then this is, this is what they do then. So they couldn't cope with the wisdom and the spirit. So they secretly induced men to say, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. And they stirred up the people the elders and the scribes, and they came to him, dragged him away, and brought him before the council. So look at this as a tactic. Okay. Let me get this right. Here's a guy living from who he is as a son of God, living in the spirit, and he's serving. He was the worker at the church, just serving people, minding his own business powerful things were happening in his life and when he's coming to get the argument against him like what are you doing they couldn't cope with his wisdom what was he doing wrong i just want to know from an outsider looking in what was he doing wrong setting people free lifting them up empowering the people that's what he's doing serving at the tables and wisdom was flowing from him he didn't have a podcast. He didn't have a ministry. He was a worker at a ministry. I mean, just ponder that just for a moment. Here's just a guy filled with the Spirit of God who knows who he is. What was being disrupted that caused the argument? The people were free. Versus the power of the entities that once controlled those people. Yeah. And that's, that's the same thing that Jesus faced too. I mean, we've talked about that a, a lot before, but the other thing I love about this is if, if you can see the tactic that they employ here, this is the same stuff that's been around for thousands and thousands of years. So you can't deal with the wisdom and the spirit. And so you, in, you induce some other people to lie, to fabricate. They, they can't even do it themselves. Right. Like they don't, we're not, we're not liars. Yeah. So we, we hired so if, liars to, to lie. I th exactly. And I think of that as, well, if those guys get caught, then, you know, it wasn't the synagogue of the freedmen that, that said, those oh, no. things. it was these two guys over here. Yeah. So we're good. Yeah. It's our hands are clean. We're just, we're just, we're just listening to the story. But, but then look at the escalation here. So you get a couple of people to lie and you stir up the people, you stir up the elders and the scribes. And then that group, that mob drags them before the council. Hmm. Isn't that how things work 
in so much of our world today. If I can't have like a conversation with you or meet with you as a human being to human being. And, and honestly, this is a bit of a cliche, but you know, our, our social media conversations haven't done us any favors with this because now we're not having a face-to-face conversation with a person. We're typing words on the internet on our site and we maybe see a picture of someone. So you're not connecting. Yeah, but that's getting a whole lot. That's getting a whole lot better now because now what the media companies, they've done things to service us. They just won't let us say anything that they just, that disagrees with them. So they'll just screen that out. So now the arguments are going away. So just, just in fairness, a lot of the social media is getting cleaned up because now it can just be one view. Uh, but but the one more point on this. The other interesting thing is no sarcasm the label, there, by the way. Go ahead. <laughs> not at all. We've never been sarcastic on this podcast. But the label they put on him, and so it's it's not it's not enough to say, well, I've got this specific issue with this person, and I'm going to take him to court. They label him a blasphemer, and when that label is put on you, then the mob attacks you. And it's interesting to see that pop up during Jesus's ministry, during the disciples' ministry, and it happens in our world today. So if ponder people get slapped on you. Ponder that just for a moment. I, I want you to think about this. A, someone does not like what you're doing and who you are. They don't like it. All right. So then, rather than being able to dispute it on its merits we have to create a lie to make the person look differently without any hearing about it so we we fabricate a lie and then we we bring it before for clarity which I, I, if someone wants to bring an accusation they can it's up to, they could be found out just just because someone accuses doesn't necessarily mean they're lying but Thought it was very interesting. And the whole reason I bring that up, and and again, this isn't to try to push people on one side of things or the other, but to look at how we can make decisions about things. So what's true that we discover from this? That this is how the enemy operates. This is how evil has operated throughout history but who you are in these situations makes all the difference because if if steven is some insecure person i mean the outcome of this story is very different but because he knows who he is and is confident in who his father is he's able to walk through everything and that's not to paint this picture of hey guys you can have confidence in your identity and then you can be stoned to death isn't that great that's that's not at all what's going on but it's but at the same time we you mean like smoke you war. can smoke pot to death or are you referring to the actual <laughs> okay i just well, want i want to clarify because actually that could be an exciting that could be an exciting experience for some for some for some people that cool i get to go be stoned to death so we're referring to little literal rocks throwing is at marijuana you. legal in thailand do they care about that over there uh, actually yeah it's, it's a big deal here um however um, just a little side note, you can go to Oregon now because um, heroin, methamphetamine, and cocaine in small amounts are now all legal. Anyway, moving on, back to... That's the one thing I've been waiting for to try heroin is for it to be legal in some state. Well, 
Now you got a place to go. You, you I've got, there's a place for me. Thank you, Oregon. There's, there's a place for you. Yep. <laughs> um, but, but we got, we got to get back to Moses here because we haven't even touched on the thing that, that changed his story. Do you want to read that or do you want no, to go to? ahead? You're doing a good job and I'm doing a good job interrupting you in between. So, <laughs> but I, uh, okay. So, so now, so now just let me put something out there. Jesus said, don't worry about what you're going to speak when you're brought before the elders and before the council and before the courts which is very interesting because he said you would. And this is the whole premise of all this. If we know who we are, if we know what we stand for, and we know what kingdom we're of, but yet we still operate in this natural kingdom, because Paul twice used his citizenship as a Roman, that he was a Roman and born a Roman. I'm jumping ahead a little bit. I'm, I'm just going to read this real quick because it, it ties into what you're talking about. We need to know who we are and where we're of, and also we need to know what is our function in the world we've been placed, in the borders we've been put into. I understand as an outsider in Thailand what the laws are and what I need to do in order to function legally within the laws. Uh, we just recently, uh, immigration stopped us and they want to see our passports, they scan it and they just want to verify that we're not overstaying our visa and stuff. And it's normal. So we keep everything in order. So we function within those guidelines um, of that. So you need, you need to know who you are, but also. So, so you're telling me it wouldn't work if you said to those uh, officials, um, I'm under grace. I'm not under the law. So I don't need a visa. I, I can. And you know what? God still loves me. I may be deported. And I may not. I, I think. I don't know why you threw that out. That's a little bit. Uh, I don't know. There's more we'll conversation. Let's we'll cut that out in post. So, <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. So um, he starts in Acts seven twenty two. Um, so, and this is Stephen speaking. It's, Moses was educated in all the learnings of the Egyptians. He was a man of power in words and deeds, which that by itself is interesting because I thought Moses was already this man who was slow as slow of speech and slow of tongue but apparently he was at one point a man of power in words and deeds not just in deeds but power in words so that's interesting and he says as he was approaching the age of 40 it entered his heart to visit his brethren the sons of israel so he goes and visits the israelites his brethren and when he sees one of them being treated unjustly he defended him and took vengeance for the oppressed by striking down the Egyptian. So he didn't just blindly go out and murder an Egyptian. It actually says the Israelite man was being treated unjustly. So what Moses was doing was in defense of the one being treated unjustly. It is literally by definition, defend the oppressed. That's what he was doing. He was defending the oppressed. And those words are in there. And just before your mind starts wandering, do not create a case that is not being declared there because Stephen goes on about this. Mm -hmm. So don't say, well, maybe he, we don't know how the man died. Being vengeful is not revenge. Being vengeful is always a term in Hebrew that refers to a righteous judgment on a situation. Just so you know. So. Mm -hmm. Let's let's move on from what he should have done. And, and now this is this is the, the coolest thing in verse 25. So he he 
uh, took vengeance for the oppressed, struck down, struck down the Egyptian, and he supposed that his brethren understood that God was granting them deliverance or salvation through him, but they did not understand. On the following day, he appeared to them as they were fighting, and he tried to reconcile them in peace, saying, men, your brothers, why do you injure one another? But the one who was injuring his neighbor pushed him away, saying, who made you a ruler and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? At this remark, Moses fled and became an alien where he became the father of two sons. So look at that in a picture. He he defends the unjust and the oppressed. And he supposes, he assumes, he thinks, oh, the people are going to realize that God is granting them deliverance and salvation right now. But they reject it. They don't see it. And they literally reject it to his face and push him away. So here's a man who rises up to free a nation of slaves, and they reject his freedom. You have to read both accounts. You got to read this one, and you also got to read the one in Exodus, because it, yeah. it gives there's a there's a picture. But Stephen is interpreting that picture by the wisdom and spirit of God. That's what I really want you to catch here. So yeah, he did. He, I think he buried it. I. I can't even remember now but yeah there was a body and all of and that there, there probably was there was a lot of emotions he was feeling he probably was afraid this is a new thing he's stepping into so i'm sure there was a lot of that as well but for people to understand here's a guy that grew up in the system that hated the jews he heard the plots of his family members and of the court of what we need to do to the jews he heard their motivations and their spite and their intentions, and what they were doing. When Moses stepped up to do this, he wasn't just randomly, hey, quit pushing my buddy around, and whacks him and kills him. It was, he understood what was transpiring in all this because he came out of that, and he was a speaker, and he was articulate, and he pleased God, and, and this is who Moses was. But I think the biggest picture in all this is what you just read. The people couldn't see it because he didn't me man i would hate to be their deliverer moses is rejected constantly by his own people even 40 years later they use the same argument against him yep so yeah, why didn't they like thing. him why didn't they like him you know that's that's been the question that's been you know in one way shape or form in my mind for years now is why do people not pee, or sorry, verse 39, he says, our fathers were unwilling to be obedient to him, but they repudiated him, meaning Moses, and in their hearts turned back to Egypt. And so they said to Aaron, make for us gods who will go before us. For this Moses who led us out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what happened to him. So they made a calf, brought a sacrifice, and were rejoicing in it. And so, so the thing that actually gets him killed is when he says, behold, I see the heavens opened up and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And then they, they cried out with a loud voice, covered their ears, and rushed at him with one impulse. And there he died. And they laid their coats at a man by the name of Saul's feet, which became the Apostle Paul. I'm bringing all this up and I think it's so important in our day and age is 
we've lost who we are. And even we've lost who we are. And we don't really even know what we are in this world. We've been trained so long to just listen to what's being told and act. Listen to what's being told and act. Don't, don't cause a disruption. Stay in the lane. Just do what you're told. And there's a, a place for that, but it's not a characteristic. You stay in the place because you care about the people around you. You're not staying in the place because you don't want someone to think negatively of you. And during all this time, I think the most, the thing that's been stirring me the most is I have, I have fellow brothers and sisters that are on different spectrums of all this. I have, I have brothers and sisters that are in different cultures that this isn't even relevant to them. They don't even understand what's going on. I have new believers that, that are trying to walk out into freedom and the principles don't change these ideas of knowing who you are and where you're from. Having the strength within what you are based on truth of, of the identity and through Jesus Christ and knowing your father. Having the courage to live your life because Christianity is a courageous journey. It is not for the milly mouth. It is not a, a um, it, it is dangerous at times. Most of us never experience that, but it's dangerous at times. And when we step out into that courage, influence happens. This, this is the whole platform, and it doesn't matter what culture. When, when you take and know who you are, and you, you take what's been given to you, I, I recommend going back and listening to Identity, Strength, Courage, and Influence, because it'll give you that kind of platform. But when I'm feeling people I once associated with that we could agree and, and wrestle through scripture and talk and edify each other like iron sharpening iron and we can agree to disagree and we're all growing and, and there's new things that I'm going to come enlightened in that I'm going to look back going, wow, I wish I would have known that then. We're always coming into these, these ideas. And as the spirit of God, th this is what, what we do with each other. But the idea that I'm, I'm going to, you're an attempt to try to publicly humiliate or oppress any ideas that disagree with the generality of our world. I may agree with those ideas, but I'm going to come to that decision because I'm making a decision on it and I'm going to own it. That means if things change, I don't change. We have to come to that place of really knowing are what are we in the bible what does the father have for me who am i what am i willing to give my life for what am i willing to exchange who i am for if if i'm in america what is the reason i do anything as an american i will tell you the number one thing that is my foundation point is to uphold and defend the constitution that's the oath as a police officer. That's the oath as any official to uphold and defend the Constitution. In America, we don't uphold and defend people, per se. We can, we should, we should defend, we should defend each other. But I'm talking about we defend an idea of what we're built on. As a Christian, 
I defend the grace of God. And Paul said this the most strongest words you could say. In the Galatians, he said, if anyone preaches another gospel than the one I have spoken, let him be accursed. Let me say this again. If anyone, whether it's an angel from heaven, comes and preaches any other gospel, let him be accursed. In other words, the thing that drove Paul was his passion for the kingdom of God and what he saw. Did he start revolutions? Did he create civil wars? No, but he didn't back down from what he believed. In fact, twice in the book of Acts, when he was being beaten, said, you can't do this. I am a Roman citizen. He didn't come and say, just beat me, take my coat. Oh, he let him beat him. And he didn't hold bitterness towards him, but he demanded, I am a Roman citizen. And it caused fear. And one of the guards that was beating him says, I purchased my, my citizenship for a, for a fortune. Paul says, I was born a citizen. And fear began to tremble in him. And they stopped beating him. It wasn't about whether he should or shouldn't. I want you to catch something that's very important. He knew his rights as a Roman. And he knew his rights in the kingdom of God. And he knew how to utilize them to advance the kingdom of God in a way that lifted and freed people. The moment we are not lifting and freeing people to make decisions, to make choices, to live a life so they can choose God, choose, choose what they're going to do, if we're doing anything else, I really bring that into question. But the moment I'm going to stand for my rights or I'm going to stand for the kingdom of God, if that brings opposition, if that brings rejection, so be it. Why? Because I know who I am. And I think this is, whether it's in a national level, it's a spiritual level, and I don't care about the national. That's all going to, at some point, all of this kind of fades away. But we don't know who we are in God. We don't know. Is my decision going to be supported by the kingdom of God? Does God really have my back? What's going to happen to me? If I take a stand for him, what's the cost? And I know for a lot of you, it's like, God's not really putting that. You know, we we talk about the grace of God. No, that is news. That's like a big media play, twisting words. to to, they'll, They'll throw out a word and then we jump. Oh. I have to act like this. Christians are compassionate. Well, Jesus was so compassionate for the people. He went into the temple and tore it apart because he loved the people and he loved God's house. Jesus was so compassionate that he went and rebuked publicly all the scribes and Pharisees and told them what they were. Jesus was so compassionate that he would not even let Pilate think he had power. Telling Pilate, Pilate, well, you only have power if my father gives you power. He was so compassionate, he took the hardest step for us. I am not here to tell you what you're supposed to go do tomorrow or how you're supposed to interact in our culture or how you're supposed to respond to what's going on. But I will tell you, If you're trying to find who you are and you're trying to defend something that you're not, 
by getting the group to approve of you. You don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. I'm laying all that out to you. This is deep in my heart, and I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm seeing it in just little social things inside. It's way beyond politics. It is the grand scheme of our enemy that he has done a tactic he has used from the very beginning. Intimidate, pressure, manipulate, threaten, lie about, get you to not know who you are. But I'm telling you, if you will just stay on who you are and don't concede your position in Christ, don't concede to who you are. Resist the devil. Resist and don't concede. There's something powerful in that. That is a Christian concept. I think that's a good place to wrap it up. And I hope you guys are, again, just take a step back and think about the truth of God because there is truth. And there's there's not a news outlet out there that's speaking from God. We can't keep going to sources from the world and seeing how it fits in to the Bible or looking at our culture and seeing what parts of the Bible fit into that and what don't. And that, that's not a way to live. That's not anything that we're meant for as believers. And so there's truth, know who you are. And from that, we can look at the world around us and interact and know what decisions to make. And don't read your Bible just to read it. It is your father's letter to you of how to function and let the spirit of God just start opening your eyes to what it is to give you the templates, to give you the principles, to give you the relational ideas and the empowerment to function as a child of God in this world. And and my last very brief thought here, it's okay if in that process you learn that you were wrong about something like Brian and I were talking about, we've looked at Moses the wrong way. And that's, it's not always easy to admit that, but that realization came from studying the truth of God, the truth in his word, not because we felt pressured by some group that said, well, if you don't believe what we believe, we're going to get you. It's a big difference in that. And so we'll wrap it up with that. And we appreciate you guys tuning in each and every week. I know the world is crazy, but until next time, stay in the fight.